And uh, these are spectators, but he's looking for recruits for those who can be followed. Uh, Acts 11, 26, uh, 26 says, uh, in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. At the very beginning, it, for, to be a Christian was to be a disciple. Disciple. Disciple of Christ, follower of Christ. Jesus is not calling to some um, higher level of Christianity. This was not uh, advanced Christianity. This was basic Christianity, one-on-one. This is what it means to be a Christian from the very beginning. You either follow Christ or we don't. No one can serve two masters. You will either hate the one or love the other. This is not reserved for some super Christians, for the pastor, for a Sunday school teacher, or a deacon, or a, a missionary. This is for all who claim to be a follower of Christ. This is what it means to be a Christian. And I think we'll see tonight, it involves cost, a cost to follow Christ. And those who are disciples of Jesus, are we still paying that cost? Uh, the, he begins with these very striking words. I'm going to read it to you again. Uh, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Are we, are we then to, does this really mean that we are to hate these closest of relationships, our father, our parents, our, our wife, our children? I think many of you know the answer. No, it's not, it's not saying that. Um, it's, 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 what, it's talking of a comparison. We were, we're called to honor our parents, and certainly hating them is not to honor them. We're, we're, we're called in Ephesians 5 to love, love our wives. Even as we love ourselves, we're to love our neighbors. We're even to love our enemies. This is not saying we are to hate these uh, closest of, of family ties, but Jesus speaking comparatively. Jesus saying with great force that our relationship with Him is to have preeminency above every other relationship that we have in this world. You're a lover, you are to love our fathers, our mother, our wife, our kids. But it should pale in comparison with our love for Jesus. Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In another passage, Matthew 10, 37, and I think this kind of explains what this comparative love is, says, Jesus says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me not worthy of me. Ultimately, we're faced with a decision where we would either offend the Lord or our parents, then we would choose to offend our parents. Uh, earlier in, in Luke, uh, Jesus said, do you think I came to uh, give peace on earth? He said, no, I came uh, to bring division. From now on, in one house there will be five, divided against three, Two against three against two, two against three. There'll be father divided against son, son against father, daughter against mother, mother against daughter. Because if the son receives Christ as his savior, and the father has not, there'll be a total separation in worldview. One will love Christ, one has rejected Christ. One will love the things of Christ, one will be repelled by the things and truths of Christ. 
I think if you, especially thinking of the culture, especially in a Muslim context, for a, a Muslim son to receive Christ would bring great pain to that son. I, I knew I knew of one when I was in Bangladesh. I heard his testimony. Uh, his, he was disowned by the family, beaten by the family, had to run away uh, from his, his family. They well could understand this verse that to love Christ may involve hating father and mother. Jesus demands all if we be his disciples. Jesus demands that he would be the supreme object of our affections. I, I imagine here on a, on a Sunday evening, uh, many of you are disciples of Christ. You are disciples of Jesus. You already love Christ. You've already resolved to uh, love him more than anyone else. Is uh, so is this message, is this message still for us? I mean, we, we looked at this verse, and yes, it's a primer. He's, he's giving this message for those uh, who are physically following Jesus. He's, he's trying to make them understand what it really means to follow Christ. Is this message still for the converted? By God's grace, where we begin in faith and love, we also, even now as believers, continue in faith and love, growing and growing in our love and devotion to Christ. Later on in the text, uh, it's, it says, uh, verse, verse uh, 20, I forget the verse here, but it's, it's uh, verse 28. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? We've already made, many of you have already made that decision to count the cost. You are building that tower now. That tower, by God's grace, is being built. Resources are being spent, which we say, Lord, yes, I want, I want to keep building. I think the message for the believer is, let's keep building. Let's keep building the tower. Let's not leave off this work of God that each, each one of us has to do. There's no turning back. The foundation has already been laid. We will not be as one who does not finish and be a, a mockery in the mouth of an unbelieving world. We will finish. He began a good work in you. We'll complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. There's no buyer's remorse for the Christian who's paid the cost. We will pay the cost. There will be, there has been, there will be costs in relationships. And the possibilities for those costs are many. Be prepared for those costs. Lean hard on Christ to pay that cost. Cost. Is there a, an unbelieving father or mother that you just don't know how to approach with the truth? My father, uh, who was not a believer, um, it was hard to approach him with the gospel. By God's grace, he, he came to Christ a, a few months before he, he died. You just don't know his risk. There's a price to be paid. Pay the cost. Love Christ at the risk of hard times. My, uh, <clears throat> is there an unbelieving wife or husband that you feel you no longer um, are their past hope? Pay, pay the cost. Who knows? They may be one without a word by the conduct of the 
believing spouse? Is there a, even for believers, is there a believing wife and a husband, and, but they don't uh, treat me how I desire to be treated? My spouse is not meeting my needs. There was the, the spouse is not talking to me in my, my love language. I don't know if you read that book. I'm not, not ready myself. It might be good, so I want to not be. Could be good, but maybe it's not. But my point is, marriage is a wonderful, God-given relationship. A stated commitment not to be handled lightly, but marriage is, is a temporary relationship. It's a parable for, the, for demonstrating the love of God between Christ and His bride, the church. So, know that there's going to be difficulties. If, if, if our, our spouse is not the perfect spouse all the time, or most of the time, or maybe none of the time, pay the cost. Love. Nehemiah 8.10 does not say the joy in our spouse is her strength. It says the joy of the Lord is her strength. Pay the cost. I was thinking of even this morning in our Sunday school, we were talking about Jacob and his first wife, Leah, who was not loved by Jacob. And uh, God blessed Leah with a, a son, a Reuben, meaning a seed. So she was hoping that Jacob would see her because of the son that she bore to him. Uh, but he did not. He still loved Rachel more. Um, Leah bore another son, Reuben, which means listen. So she thought maybe her husband now listen to her, but he did not. He still preferred Rachel. And she bore uh, Judah, which means attached. And so Leah thought that now, surely, three sons, Jacob would be attached to Leah. He was not impressed. Leah was blessed with the fourth son, Judah. And it didn't matter that time. Judah means praise. And so she was going to praise the Lord, even though that love from her spouse was not if you have children, I could, I could just stop right there and let you just fill in the place with, with that one. Our children want, 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 want a cat. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to tell them no. We need to tell them no. It's, it's okay not to gratify their every desire. It's okay that they don't get everything on that Christmas. <clears throat> uh, just a few days ago, we got something gift catalog in the mail, and I'm looking at my kids, and they're, uh, they have a highlighter, and they're highlighting all the things that they want for, for Christmas. Uh, it's okay. They don't get everything on that, that list. Pay the cost. Our children misbehave or disobey. Pay the price. Lovingly discipline them. Don't teach them that the world revolves around every desire that they have. There's a price to pay in parenting. Pay the price. It's costly. Keep building the tower. You started. You started. Don't, don't turn back. How about brothers and sisters? Are they, are they living in sin? Maybe your brother or sister is living with someone with whom they're not married. Uh, do we wink at the sin or do we lovingly confront them? I think of uh, Jesus uh, with the Samaritan woman at the well. He confronts her about that lovingly and graciously. Uh, the one she was living with, with was not her husband. These are tough conversations. There are prices to be paid in those close relationships. 
parents, spouses, children, brothers, and sisters. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, even his own life, even in his own life, cannot be my disciple. You know, perhaps we can handle submitting to um, all these family relations, submitting that under uh, our relationship with the, our Lord. But how about our love affair with ourselves? Hate even his own life. Again, I, I don't believe Jesus is condemning or saying, you need to hate yourself. I don't think you just need to wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, I despise myself. It's, 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 I think, another comparative look here so that we love Christ. Our, our love for Christ outweighs our love for ourselves. There are thousands of applications here, and I'm not even thinking here or take the time to uh, those, those desires that we have that are sinful. Those certainly uh, we need to kill in our life. But what about those desires that are not necessarily sinful in themselves? And there's so many of those eating. And we enjoy eating. And we like to eat. And we like good food. God's given us a taste buds and, and thank God for that. And we can enjoy that. There's nothing wrong with that. But do we need to have the best all the time? Do we need the name brand all the time? Do we need the best food all the time? Do we need the best restaurants all the time? Uh, that's just with food. There's so many other things. Clothing, uh, entertainment, TV, uh, Schedules, Netflix, hobbies, leisure. Uh, we don't need to gratify every single desire all the time. It's good to tell yourself no. You're saving Christ. You may want to save money with those material things so that you can give more to further the kingdom work. You may have to lay down your preferences, things that you would prefer for the sake of others, for the love of others. You may have to or a change in your schedule simply because of some need or arises. There's hosts of other applications that we can think about. Uh, again, I think of uh, Jesus at the, at the well with the Samaritan woman. Uh, his disciples come back and um, they're trying to give him food. But he says, you my food is to do the will of him who sent me. I'm sure he was hungry, but he was busy with this woman. The text continues. The text continues. Verse 27. <clears throat> uh, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. This, uh, this phrase, bear his own cross. And whoever does not bear his own cross cannot be my disciple. To be a disciple of Jesus is not to follow this primrose path. We think of the cross, we think of um, a symbol of, of suffering, of shame that Christ endured for the sake of our sins. It was appointed to him before the foundation of the world, that symbol of, of suffering and pain. What is this is a what is your cross? There your cross. Like Spurgeon once said, you, you don't get to choose your own cross. To give it to you. What you know, what is that cross? Well, I think you can include everything above that we've already talked about in with family relationships. Um, I, I think primarily it's uh, this cross is the willing embrace of shame and suffering, even 
to the point of death for the sake of Christ and for the sake of the gospel. Jesus says in Mark 8, 35, that whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospel will save it. This, this flies in the face of, of you know, prosperity preaching today. We said that you should prosper materially here and now. And if you don't right now, then you pray for it. If you don't get it, you're not praying. You don't have faith enough to believe. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow you. He didn't say, take up your material comfort and follow me. The Christian life is a life of cross-bearing. Don't be delusioned. To live for Christ, to speak for Christ, will involve suffering. 2 Timothy 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Live for Christ. Share Christ. Confess Jesus before the world. Know the gospel. Share the gospel. Share Jesus in the workplace. Share Jesus with your family. Share Jesus with the, those who are your neighbors. Think it. That cross will come. Pick up that cross and embrace it willingly for the joy set before you. One day, we'll exchange that cross for a crown of glory as we can lay the master's feet. Tell the the Lord, you've counted the cost. Tell the Lord, Lord, I still, I still want to pay that cost. I'll pay it. Someone has said salvation is free. Thank God it's free. But it will cost you everything. Because of Christ and through Christ and for Christ, we'll pay the cost for being his follower. Our text continues uh, there, verse 28, which I've already mentioned, uh, with the, the tower. And uh, I just wanted to emphasize there this counting of the cost. This is no light decision. I think what's, what's popular today. In, in many churches, is you have the, the great numbers, you have the people uh, walk the aisle. I'm not saying don't walk the aisle, but I mean, there are churches who uh, plant people in the congregation during the invitation time, uh, tell people to, to come down, not because they're making the decision, but to uh, make other people more comfortable to make a decision. Hmm. It, it almost seems just kind of a, a where is, where is the discipleship? Jesus said to go and make disciples, make followers of Jesus. Have they considered the cost involved in following Christ? Narrow is the gate that leads to life. Strive to enter the narrow gate. I pray that in, in all our witnessing to, to others on a personal level, we'll remember this in the context of our church, in the context of families, that, that we'll make it known to be a follower of Christ. Consider the cost. That's what Jesus said to do. He said to this great crowd. It's great. There's this wonderful multitude. And it's almost like Jesus is trying to convince them not to follow. But I think he's, he's trying to uh, separate the wheat from the chaff. And make people examine whether they really understand what it means to follow. Think it over. Make the calculation. <clears throat> You know, and you know, we think about it, and the question is, you know, counting the cost. Well, well, I don't, I don't know what the cost is. Well, that's why he he makes it the ultimate. Let let Christ be the ultimate love in your life, above all relationships in your life, uh, even love for yourself. Sit down 
make this consideration, make this calculation. I fear that many uh, in the past who have professed Christ were never taught this, or never thought these terms. Past is the past. You can't change that. And, and maybe there are those who uh, thought themselves to be Christians, are, are really not. They, they, they started, started well. Examine yourselves to test to see whether you're in the faith. Go home tonight. Get on your knees. Confess to the Lord. Have I just been playing with the church? I wonder if this, this last pair of parable is, is for that one. Verse 31. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the others yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. For that one who's not a believer, here's not, I'm not sure who's here. I can't speak into the heart. The Lord knows. But if there may be one here who's not received Christ, who's not a believer, or perhaps thought they were, if we are outside of Christ, we are an enemy of God. Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Let me read a few verses. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of beings, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. If you have not received Christ, you're still dead in your trespasses and sins, walking according to the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. That enemy that, that's coming to meet you, if you are outside Christ, is God. Are you prepared to meet him? The scriptures say, those who are a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God, an enemy of righteousness. You don't want to pay that cost. Cost, that cost is eternal separation from him in the second death. Uh, the, the text offers hope, though, doesn't it? And if not, while the other is yet a yet great way off, he sends a delegation to ask uh, for terms of peace. There's hope. Consider that cost. You're not ready to meet this king. You're, you're unable to uh, meet the demands of God's justice. Lay down your sword, put up the white flag of surrender, and ask for terms of peace. Send a delegation, but a delegation has already come. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That was his mission. Jesus came on a grand rescue mission. Died, Jesus died on the cross for your sins according to the scriptures. He was buried according to the scriptures. He rose again according to the scriptures. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We're talking about paying the cost tonight. Jesus has paid the cost for you already by his death on the cross. Look to him. 
Look to him and bore your sin. Put your trust in him even tonight. Look to him and understand what he's done for you. And you can be at peace with God. Confess your sin to him, believe in him as your Savior, and he will be your greatest treasure in your life. So therefore, uh, at verse 31, so therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. That renouncing is to, is to leave behind all things, relationships, yourself, your uh, material possessions, so that you're no longer the owner of everything. You are the steward the sake of Christ. This text in the last uh, uh, few verses, uh, let me just read again and we'll close with this. Uh, salt, is, salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile in its own way. He who has ears to, to let, him, uh, let him hear. This text uh, ends with a, with a warning the message here is uh, overall is to, to finish finish the race finish the race salt uh, had a, a dual purpose of, of adding um, flavor to the food or also preserving uh, from corruption but uh, salt in, in this in these regions were to be corrupted by this uh, poor material gypsum which would uh, take away its, its effect um, which was uh, would not so it would not fulfill its purpose of being the salt. Jesus is looking at this crowd and he's seeing many. There's a growing excitement. Um, he is trying to protect them against a false profession. And how difficult it is for those who, who make a false profession to then turn away to be restored again to repentance. Hebrews 6. Do I, do I believe that a true Christian can lose their salvation? No, not, not at all. Not at all. I believe in the, the perseverance of the saints. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. Those who are justified, that is, that is declared righteous, it is, it is as they are already glorified. There is no uh, dropouts there. Jesus is, is trying to give a warning to the crowd. He's looking at this mixed multitude trying to give them a warning to make them understand what it means to truly follow him. If, if you've lost your saltiness, it may be that you, that you might need to consider, examine yourselves. These are no light matters. This salt, this salt that has lost its flavor is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let, let him hear. That's, that's the warning. To the believer, you still, you still have that fire in your soul. You can, you can get on your knees and as we sang tonight, say, Lord, I love you. But I, I know my love is, is frail and weak. We know that uh, resolving to pay the price is often different than actually paying that price. And so let's, let's seek the Lord and pray for grace that we will Pay those costs that come come our way. And that cross that, that you may be bearing now or, or will bear, even though through strain, you will kiss that cross for the blessed privilege of knowing that you're sharing in the suffering.
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word. It's a very sobering text, even alarming, Lord. Lord, we uh, look to Christ, Lord, and we say, Lord, the cost is worth it. Jesus has paid the price for us so that we can be at peace with, with you, Father. And Lord, though we don't know what that cross may be, Lord, we, we say and resolve now, Lord, we want to build that tower and continue to build that tower. Lord, help us to be faithful. Grant us grace, Lord, for strength to continue to bear that cross and to be a, a testimony of your grace in the life of sinners such as us. We pray for that one, Lord, who has not made that decision, Lord, we pray your spirit will work in their heart and draw them to yourself. And even soon, very soon, they will consider the cross tell you, Lord, Lord, I am all in. Lord, we praise you for this evening. We commit this week to you, Lord, give us boldness to uh, be a witness for you. Lord, we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing in 305 our closing song. In 305, I have decided Sing the first third down. I had decided to follow Jesus. I had decided to follow Jesus. I had decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Turning back, my cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back.